Matthew chapter 15 will be in verses 21 through 28. You can follow along. And Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed at that very hour. We're asking this morning, how can I have great faith? I don't, I don't want to live a, a halfway uh, life of faith. That's not what I want. I, I've never wanted that. As soon as I came to Jesus, man, I want it all. I want, to, I want to live a life of great faith where I see God do great things. I want that life abundantly. I want that faith above and beyond. I want that faith that moves mountain. I want that great faith. And so we come to the scripture and we look and we see uh, this woman that comes to Jesus and there's an interesting interaction. Uh, she's a woman born in, in Canaan. She's from in the region of Tyre and Sidon. Jesus comes and she has a daughter who's severely demon possessed. She comes to Jesus and says, hey, would you heal my daughter? And Jesus says, no, not going to heal your daughter because I didn't come for you. I came for the sheep, uh, the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This is not for you. So no, I'm not going to heal your daughter. And she says, huh? You call me a dog? Like even a dog gets crumbs from the master's table. Can I, can I get a crumb? Can I just get a little bit? And Jesus says, you know what? Okay. I've never seen such great faith. Great faith. You have great faith and it's going to be given to you. And so as I look at this story and this week as I was praying, I just, I really felt like that's what the Lord wanted to speak to us is how to have great faith. Great faith that moves mountains. Great faith that you can actually see and you can feel. Faith that is above and beyond what you could ever ask or imagine. Is that the kind of faith that you want to have? See, great faith is spiritual. Great faith has to be spiritual. It can't just be physical. Verse 21, that Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came there from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, O son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Now, we don't have the backstory. Sometimes the Bible doesn't give us a backstory. It just kind of leads us into a story. But what we can tell is, is that there's a woman, and there's, she's got her daughter, and she says, My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Now, one could assume, based on the story, that she hadn't come to Jesus before. And she heard about Jesus and saw about Jesus and said, you know what, this has got to be the person that is going to solve this problem that my daughter has. She has something wrong with her that is a spiritual problem that, for whatever reason, this woman, had she had fixed it herself, she never would have had to have come to Jesus. She must have realized this physical problem that my daughter has is a spiritual problem that can only be fixed by Dr. Jesus. I've got to bring her before Jesus. Now, some people, and, and, and if you notice the way that I preach, I always try to uh, argue with the, my arguers before they can come back and argue with me. I just, <laughs> bottom line up front, let's just talk about it. 
Whenever a preacher starts talking about demon possession, oftentimes people, because this is the stuff that floats around, they say, well, you don't understand mental, mental illness. Uh, maybe, maybe she was mentally ill. Well, and let me say this about mental illness. I know a lot about mental illness. And I don't say that in some sort of that I'm an expert, but I know a lot more than nothing. Uh, I was a psych major in college. I did mental health counseling for six years in the U.S. Army. I know about DSM diagnoses, and I know about medication management. I know psychotropics and SSRIs. And and adjustment disorders and personality disorders and psychosis and everything in between. I have a very good, strong working knowledge of that. And so when I talk about demon possession, I don't want you to think that I'm discounting the fact that there are some people that have medical issues, man. Sometimes you got a chemical imbalance in your brain. You got to take something for it. And so please don't interpret what I'm saying today about demon possession as some sort of condemnation on you. If you take some sort of medication, um, cause that's not what I'm saying at all. Uh, I'm not saying that. I don't want you to feel condemnation. Think, well, am I not spiritual? Listen, man, sometimes I got to take stuff at night so I can sleep. It's true, right? My doctor gave me something because, you know, sometimes at night it gets dark and I get panic attacks and stuff like that. It doesn't mean it's a demon. It means I got past trauma in my life that I don't deal with very well. And the only way I can get to sleep is get a, you know, half a pill of an antihistamine and I'm gone. Like, that's just how it works. It's not a demon. It's just stuff that's gone on in my life. But there's some things that happen in your life that are spiritual that you think are physical. There's some things that are clearly a demon possession, spiritual problem that you think are physical. You cannot attack a physical, uh, a spiritual issue with a physical answer. You just can't do that. Now on the flip side, everything's not a spiritual thing either. Sometimes they, oh man, the, the, the demon of my indigestion is acting up. Now, that ain't no demon, bro. That's what you ate last night. Yeah. Oh, the demon on my back pain's acting up. No, it's because you don't have proper diet and exercise, and you were a roofer for 25 years. That ain't no demon, man. You just got a broken old body from being old. That ain't a demon. It's like the old, it's like the old joke that says, you know, how many Pentecostals does it take to change a light bulb? It takes five. It takes one to do it and four to pray over the spirit of darkness. You know, it's, it's, every, everything's not spiritual, man. That's a good one. Have you guys not heard that one? It's pretty funny. Do you know how many Baptists it takes to change a light bulb? It takes 12, one to do it, 11 to plan the potluck for afterwards. Uh, do you know how many Lutherans it takes to change a light bulb? Huh? Change? No way. Oh. <laughs> I'm here all morning, but um. <laughs> Bring it back down, folks. You know, I could have had a long career in something else. You know what's hard is I love to make people laugh. So if y'all start laughing, I just whoop, 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 keep going. What's also true is that demon possession is real. And I don't make jokes about that, man. There's, there's no jokes about demon possession. There's, there's a spiritual component to living life that some people just seem to discount. They, they, they think that everything in this world is this tangible, tangible thing. But a lot of things that we deal with truly are spiritual. They're demon possessions and, and evil spirits. The Bible says in Ephesians 6, 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. 
the Bible says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. And we see many times in the gospel where Jesus went in and he healed people of demon possession. He told his disciples in Luke 9-1 that I give you authority to cast down demons and heal the sick and all these other spiritual things that he empowered his disciples to do. Many times. But everything is not a medical problem. Everything is not a physical problem. Everything can't be fixed by medicine. It just can't. What this woman figured out was that her daughter was demon possessed. And the only way for her daughter to be delivered was that she had to bring her to Jesus. Only Jesus could deliver her daughter from this demon possession. Only Jesus was the one that could set her free. And so she came to Jesus in faith, believing that she could be delivered from her possessed situation. See, this is a woman that understands the spiritual component of life. Many people do not. Many people just walk around and, and, and again, there's, there's, different, uh, there's different parts of it. You can get on either side of the ditch and not stay where you need to be. Everything is not spiritual and everything is not physical, but you have to stand in the middle of the road and be able to discern by the will of God. Is this a spiritual problem or is this a physical problem? John 6, 6, 3, it says, It is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. If you want to have great faith, the first thing I would ask you is, are you considering the spiritual component of your life? Like, are are you living your life as a spiritual being? Understand that you're living in a spiritual world that has spiritual problems that can only be fixed by Jesus. Or are you only living a physical existence? Are there things in your life that you need to go directly to Dr. Jesus and say, you know what, Lord, I need deliverance from this. I need you to move on this. I need you to change this about my life. Now, I'll tell you, if you're here this morning and and you hear me talking about spiritual stuff and you look at me like, you know, I got six eyes. You're like, dude, this dude has lost it. Well, I have a long time ago because I I, I believe that Jesus was raised from the dead and died on a cross for my sins. And the spirit of God came inside of me and rejuvenated me and reborn me and made me into a new creation and gave me a new mind and a new spirit. And the spirit of, uh, of Christ lives inside of me and the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives inside of me, man. And I'm a wall to wall Holy Ghost, man. That's how I roll. But if you ain't saved, man, you don't get it. Like these people are off their rocker. And you know what? We is. We are gone. We're full on gone. And there's always room for one more on the island of misfit toys. But if you ain't saved, you ain't understand what I'm talking about. You, you don't get it. Why? Because the Bible says you don't get it. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him. You, you're like, man, this dude's a fool. Yeah, the Bible says that you would think that I was a fool. Because you can't know what I'm saying because these things are spiritually discerned. Yeah. For those of you that are saved, you don't think I'm nutty. You're like, yeah, dude, I know exactly what this guy's talking about. I've walked it. I know it. I've seen it. If you're not saved here this morning, you probably think I'm foolish, and that's okay. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, and that's you if you're not saved. You're perishing. You're dying. But to those of us who are being saved, it's the power of God. See, I've seen people delivered from demons. I've seen demonic influences leave people's lives. I've had times in my life where I walk into a room, and I'm like, this place is 
filled with evil spirits and I want nothing to do with what's going on in here. And I'm like, dude, we ain't going there. We ain't eating here. We ain't going to this place. I ain't walking into this house. People say, what are you afraid? I'm like, no, dude, I just know that like that's something I'm not dealing with today. I've seen spirits on people and say like, dude, I know something's going on with that person. They got something on them that is not of God. And that's not even being judgmental. That's just being spiritual. Some of you say amen if you know what I'm talking about. Okay, so I'm not alone. I've prayed demons out of my house. I've prayed demons out of my car. I've prayed them out of this church. I've prayed them out of my kids. Like, I, 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 on them, in them. Like, dude, it, it's real. I mean, I mean I, there's many times we've walked this church when no one else is around. And, 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 and we've walked perimeters around, pleading a bloodline around this property, saying, Lord, make this place a sanctuary. Keep these demons. I, I, I've, we've got warring angels that are at the four posts of every building on this property. And, and people say, like, man, I don't know what it is. Now, you can clap for that. That's fine. We, people come down like, I don't know what it is. There's a sweet spirit down here. You know, uh, Sister Stephanie moved in the house across the street and she was saying, like, I, I thought I was going to be scared living down here in, in Lower Auburn in L.A. And she said, man, there's a spirit down here. I just feel protected. I feel safe. I'm like, yeah, dude, that's the spirit of God, man. That's just Jesus. Here's, here's what I do know. Romans 8, chapter, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter 8, verses 5 through 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please the Spirit of God. And, and, and I would just challenge you this morning, if you want to have great faith, begin to look at your life through spiritual lens instead of a physical lens. Like even everything that's going on around us, and in this world, like, and I, and if you're friends with me on Facebook, I love to throw meat to the dogs because I can't help myself. But I'm not even worried about the future for my life at all. Like when I look at this stuff, it's not because I'm at home chattering like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? It's because I realize that everything that's going on around us is a spiritual delusion. Like people have literally been given over to a spirit of delusion. They can't even see. It's like Stepford Wives. Like this, uh, like this can't even see it. Can't even see what's going on because they've been spiritually deluded. So on the other side, it doesn't give me fear. It just gives me faith to know that God has given me discernment to be able to see everything that's going on and know that I'm in the palm of his hand and he's going to take care of me. And what does that do in turn? It gives me great faith. Gives me great faith to walk through somewhere and be like, man, y'all still playing these games, huh? Man, I've done, I'm on past this. I know what you guys are holding on to. My faith is bigger than any fear, than any disease, and any anything, man. I know who my God is. I know who delivered me. He's held me. He's keep me. But even if he doesn't, that's a whole nother sermon. But even if he doesn't, I'm still going to be okay. I know there's a spiritual component to life. And I want you to know that too. And I want Jesus in that realm. See, the Bible says I have a spirit body, 1 Corinthians 15, 44. There's a natural body. There is, and there is a spiritual body. I know I have the spirit of God, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that we have been freely given to us by God. Man, are you possessed? Yes. I am. There's something inside of me that's not of me. There's something inside of me that runs this that ain't me. 
And I know you might think, like, man, that's him. It's not me. Spirit of God can live inside of you. I know, I know I'm supposed to live by the Spirit. That's what it says. Galatians chapter 5, we live in the Spirit. Let us also walk in the Spirit. And that's what great faith is. That's what this woman grabbed onto. She said, you know what? This is a spiritual issue. I've got to go to the one that controls the spiritual realm. I've got to go to Jesus. And from that, Jesus said that she had great faith. See, part of this story is, is that great faith is persistent. It's persistent. Uh, Look in verse 23. It says, but he answered her not a word. (laughs) So she asks, and Jesus ignores her. Good old loving Jesus. It goes to her and Jesus is like, anyway. He didn't say that, but that's how I view it, right? He just doesn't talk to her. Verse 23, but then he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him saying, send her away for she cries out after us. And he answered to her and he puts her in her place and he says, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And and the interpretation of that is that I came for the Jews. I didn't come for you. So this isn't for you at all. Then she came and she worshiped him and saying, Lord, help me. Great faith has to be persistent. It has to be persistent. Uh, If you don't know, this is what the Bible teaches, that Jesus was sent first for the Jewish people, and then after that for the Gentiles. So for those of you that are not Jewish, I am. I have 0.7% Ashkenazi Jewish blood. Um, Hey, I got the test, man. One drop. I'm in there. It's a, don't, 0.7. It's something. It's more than nothing. I'm a little bit Jewish. You Gentiles, though, you, uh... Jesus came first for me and then for you. The book of Romans says that salvation was first for the Jews and then the Gentiles. And, and, and that's true what it is. And so in this instance, when the girl, the, excuse me, the woman comes to Jesus and says, hey, I need this from you. He wants to preach a sermon to her very quickly about his uh, uh, Messiahship. And, and remember, as we're walking through the book of Matthew, Matthew is written to a Jewish audience. And so as he's writing it and he's expecting people to read it and hear it, he wants the Jewish audience to really understand that he's here for the Jews, that he's uh, not here for the Gentiles. And so uh, for whatever reason, uh, this woman just continues with her persistence. It, the first rebuff wasn't enough to say, I didn't come for you. I, I only came for the Gentiles. And, and she, Jesus went even a second step where he calls her a dog. He calls her a mongrel. Uh, uh, we'll get into it in the next point where it's, re- it's basically like a racial put down that he tells this woman. It's an epithet, a pejorative term that he says to her. And that's still not enough to shut her down. And she still keeps pursuing Jesus and saying, you know what? I know that you're the one that can do this and I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep asking you. I'm not going away. You are the only one that can set me free. It's not unlike uh, the parable of the uh, persistent widow in, in Luke chapter chapter 18. In Luke chapter 18, 1 through 5, Jesus is telling a parable. This story we're talking about this morning is not a parable, but there was a parable that he said in uh, Luke 18. Now he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart saying, 
There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me, for, uh, for my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard this man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Some translations say, Because this woman keeps bothering me. And so Jesus uses that example of a parable to say, this is how men ought to pray. This is how men ought to ask me for things so that they won't lose heart. And I will tell you, based on what the Bible says, Jesus rewards persistence. He rewards not giving up based on what his word says. He says in Luke 11, 9 and 10, So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it will be opened. This is the Bible. But for some reason, people throw up these half-hearted, somewhat believing prayers and believing that God is going to answer that prayer. Now, does he sometimes? Yeah, he does, because he's full of grace and mercy and love. But but for for some reason, for us, it, it just like it, it's got to be more than that. Like, do you notice like when people first get saved that God always answers their prayers super fast? Have you noticed this? Like they get saved on a Sunday and the next week, man, God answered half a dozen prayers this week. He answered this and this and this. And some of you old saints are like, must be nice. <laughs> you don't answer my prayers like that anymore. I've been asking for 5, 10, 15 years for something, answering your thing in one week. Well, God's shown himself faithful to that person early on so that they know uh, that Jesus is real. But for those of them who have been walking with Jesus for a while, man, he's trying to do something in us. He's trying to work something out inside of us. And so what he does in us in the midst of our persistent prayers is that he's refining our character. He's changing something about it. He knows we're saved. We know he's with them. He doesn't need to show himself faithful every single day in the answering of our prayers. He's fine. I am a 100% sure that God is fine with you waiting. I don't necessarily agree with it, but it's true. The Bible says in Galatians uh, chapter 6, And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And so I would ask you, if you're being persistent in your faith, are you just giving it half-hearted attention? Why, why are you expecting great faith in God to do great things when you refuse to be persistent? Uh, I don't know why, but human nature, the way that it is, we will start something, and if we don't see immediately results, we want to stop and say, this isn't working. Yeah. Right? You plant your grass seed, and you're like, it's dead. The bird's got it. Like, it's never coming up. And then like three or four weeks later, you wake up one morning, it's like, it's gone, right? Yeah. Going to the gym, like this isn't doing anything. I did it for a week. I haven't lost any weight. I don't feel any better. But you do it for six months, you turn around like, oh, hey, this is working. Trying to save money one month, you got a hundred bucks in there. Like, gosh, this isn't working. Saving money's dumb. At the end of the year, you got twelve hundred dollars. You're like, wait, I, it works over time. And I, the spiritual's the same way. You know, some things are just take a time to do it, man. And it's not because uh, for any other reason except that's the way Jesus set it up. That's what he wants. Will you pray for days or weeks or months or years to see your prayers answered? I mean, you're no better than somebody in the Bible. Bible people, Abraham had to wait 20 years for his son Isaac. 20 years. I I prayed for 20 minutes and God didn't even move. Okay, well, you think you're better than people in the Bible? 
I mean, some be, I mean, and for those of you that have prayed long prayers for many years and saw them come to fruition, you know exactly what I'm talking about, man. I don't know why or when or how God answers prayers, but I know that he does, man. What, what, if, what if you were just right on the other side uh, of seeing that prayer answered and then you gave up? It was like, man, I prayed about that. I prayed about it for too long. God's not going to answer that prayer. The, the Bible's very clear. Do not give up on that prayer. Don't give up on that prayer. That person you've been praying for salvation, they're going to get saved, man. I know they are. That healing you've been waiting for, that healing's going to come. That breakthrough you've been waiting for, it's going to come. Don't give up. Don't lose heart. The Bible says in due season, you will reap if you faint not. First John uh, 5.15, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. Friend, he hears you. The Bible declares that he hears you. And, and I don't know why, but people seem to always use an unanswered prayer as a justification for why they don't want to serve God. Why is that? Like, well, you know, I prayed for my aunt to get healed and God didn't heal her, so God must not be real. Well, maybe you're just not understanding God's big plan. It's like God's plans to kill my aunt. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying like, you just don't understand how the world works and maybe you don't understand and, but God understands. And like I told you guys was last week, you're all going to die. Like by some way, it's like, it's 100% certain unless Jesus comes back today. Everybody dies somehow, some way. It's just how this world works. But then people say, well, I didn't want this person to die. Well, obviously, but they died. Doesn't mean God isn't real because that person died. But for whatever reason, people want to use that as an excuse to not serve God. Now, I, my prayer life, I don't ask God for a lot. I really don't. Um, and the reason why is because I just don't have a lot of demands. Um, but, but I will tell you, uh, as a pastor, um, one of the things that, and there ain't a pastor alive that doesn't do it, I said, man, I, pr- I always prayed for this building. I really did. Um, you know, we started our church back in 2003. We met in a school for a year, and then we ended up in a warehouse, and we were in the warehouse. We were there for like 10 years, man, and I thought we were going to be there for like 10 months because I was like, God's going to bring us a building, you know, and, and I, don't, I don't know why, but like when you're a pastor, uh, it's, it's funny. When, when we first started the church, it seemed like every, everybody, <laughs> I was going to be real, when everybody would find out that I was a pastor back way back when I was in my 20s, the first thing I always ask is, how big is your church? That's the first thing everybody asks. And, and you always know a church planter because they always say, if everybody showed up, that's what they always say, if everybody showed up, we'd have 27. <laughs> and when you got 27 people in your church, you feel like you're not a pastor. Nobody else treats you like you're a pastor. And you're just like discounted. And the same thing when you're meeting in a warehouse. Like we're meeting in a warehouse. I can't count how many times we're out there hoping for people to come in and they drive in because we're killing the SEO on the Google. And they would come in and see that it's a warehouse and then just like drive away. They like wouldn't even come in because the warehouse had people literally leave the church because they said, I don't want to go to a church in a warehouse. I can't bring my friends there. And that's just not the kind of church I want to go to. And so it gnaws at your sense of self-worth, man. It gnaws at your sense of leadership. And so, man, I would just go to God and I would just cry out. I would like, come on, Lord, where's this building? And, and O'Neill's no, for years, like put offers in on stuff and go and tour stuff. And this is the one, blah, 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 nothing happened. And it just gnawed at my sense of self-worth. And I always ask God, I said, man, why, why won't you give us a building? Why? And he said, well, you know, Matt, let's talk about where your heart's at. Will you serve me if, if, if you're just in a warehouse? 
and it makes me cry because it's just one of those times when God broke me, man. And he's like, would you, would you be my pastor if I only gave you 30 people? Like, would you still have another full-time job and just tarry? Because I love those people. And they don't care how big this church is. And they don't care where it meets. This is about you. <sighs> so I'm just asking, are you going to do this? Are you going to say that you will serve me no matter what? And I will tell you, man, there's only been a few times in my life where your heart actually changes. Like many times I've told God that my heart changed and it didn't change and he knew it didn't change and I know that it didn't change, but I I wanted to tell him that it changed and he was like, it didn't change. I'm like, okay, it hasn't changed yet. But then he gets you to this place where he breaks you down and, and he's like, you know what, will you do this if this is how it is? And you're finally like, yes, I'll be the nameless nobody on West Valley Highway with 30 people in a warehouse. And then he goes, Okay, we solved that. Here's your, here's your building. You can have it now. And so I publicly apologized to everybody that had to walk through my nasty, filthy heart to finally get into our building. But God had to do something in me. That's why he had to make it, why he had to wait. And it's so funny now. <laughs> What's funny now is that nobody ever asks how big my church is. <laughs> I've, I've been waiting for like 20 years ago. I'm like, come on, ask. I want to say 350. Ask. I want to say three. I want to say 400. And nobody asks because I don't care anymore. It's not I, like God broke me of that because it's no longer an issue because he said like, no matter what it looks like, no matter where it is, no matter what it is. Why do I tell you that story? Simply just to tell you that sometimes God takes his time answering prayers because he's got to do something inside of you. I don't know what you pray for, man. I don't know. But I know that persistence pays off. Maybe you're praying for some fishing boat. I don't I don't care. Get a fishing boat. It'd be a punishment to me. I don't want a boat. Ugh. I want some RV or something. Ugh. No. I want nothing to do with some house on wheels. No way. This is what this I always wanted this. But God had to do something inside of me to give me this. And so there's maybe there's something in you that you want that God needs to do something inside of you. Maybe he won't give it to you because he knows you've got greed in your heart. You won't share it with anybody. I don't know, maybe. Maybe you want to go fishing alone instead of taking people from church fishing. Maybe. That just spoke to somebody's heart. You're like, oh, that's me. Philippians 3.14, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See, here, here's, here's what the part of this story is, is that great faith is humble, man. And, and this woman in this story, it's so beautiful because she goes to Jesus. He says, no, you're not of Israel. And then he says, you know, you're a dog, man. Like you're a mongrel. And, and that, that's really like to, to, to understand the character and the nature of Jesus to think that he would say such a disgusting term to one of God's creatures, a woman, to really kind of put her in her place. It's, it, for a lot of people that have been sold the loving daisy hippie Jesus, they're kind of like, what, he says stuff like that? I'm like, well, Jesus has to say things to get your attention. Jesus has to say things to put you where you need to be. And in this situation, this is what he was doing to try to prove a point. And she says, after he actually denigrated her ancestry and denigrated her race and denigrated where she came from and really just like slammed her, 
She was still humble enough to say, do you know what, Jesus? I don't care what you call me. I don't care what you do to me. I, I, I'll, I'll take a crumb. I'll just lay on the floor. Just give me a crumb because I know that if you give me a crumb, that's all that I need. I, I don't need my history. I don't need who I am. I don't need that identity. I only need you, Jesus. I'm humble enough to admit that I'm, I'm not going to. Well, who do you think you're talking to, Jesus? Calling me that, talking to me that way. No, 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 no. Whatever Jesus said and whatever her disposition, she humbles herself to get to Jesus to see that she will take what she can get from Jesus. Even the little dogs eat crumbs. That's humility. That, that's really humility. A, a less humble response would come back and be more demanding. You know what, Jesus, I thought you were the Savior. I thought you walked on water. I, I heard this thing about the fishes and the loaves and the wine and all this. And you ain't doing nothing for me. You guys, he's a fake. He just put me down. He said bad words. <laughs> hurt my feelings. You know, it's funny. I'll come in here and tell y'all there are a bunch of fornicating, adulterous idolaters. And then people say, I ain't going back to that church. Pastor said words to hurt me. So that's why I ain't going to go to church. That's why I don't like pastors. and all. They say things that hurt my feelings. Well, you could not have handled the preaching of Jesus. Because the preaching of Jesus called this woman a dog to prove a point. And, and she was like, well, okay, maybe I am. And maybe the history of the Canaanites and Tyre and Sidon and how they treated Israel probably needs to be called out. And if I'm the person that needs to get called out, call me out, Jesus. But I don't care. I need you. Amen. And I'll be humble enough to come to you and say, you're the one that's going to give me the blessing. Speak to me however you want. Do whatever you want. I'll just take a crumb. Proverbs 22, 4, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. She had this humility. She got the riches that she wanted. She didn't want money. She didn't want influence. She didn't want anything else. She just wanted her daughter healed. And so because she was willing to be humble, she came to Jesus and Jesus says, all right, let it be granted to you. You can have whatever you ask for because I see the humility inside of you. The Bible says when pride comes, then comes shame. But with the humble is wisdom. Such wisdom from this woman. Just just humble yourself before God, man. Just put it before Him. Now, now for you, the application is James chapter 4. He gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Some of you here this morning, you're, you may not be getting what you wanted because you are so filled with pride that God is not going to give you what you want because he's got to get that pride out of you. He's just got to root that out, and it's a painful process. And I don't know why. Pride's like, pride sometimes like stinky breath. Everybody can smell it but you, man. God does resist the proud. He doesn't appreciate pride based on his word. You, make it, you read the Bible, and it's very clear that if you are in a position of pride, that God is not going to deal with you well. And here's what's hard, is that I remember in my, in my life many times, I viewed people that I thought weren't humble. I thought that there's no way that person could be humble about that thing because I and myself was not humble about that thing. Does that make sense? And, and going back, and, and I live in such a world that many of you don't live in, and I don't know why we're talking about this, but, you know, it's like going back to the whole um, uh, uh, church size and building and all that stuff. I remember years ago, I would meet men that had big churches and big congregations, and 
and they would always just be so dismissive about it. And I would, in, in my, you know, unhumble state of, you know, having idolatry on the sides of my church, I would always be like, come on, bro. Like, wear that thing like a badge. Like, hey, my name's Vince, and I have a church of 7,000. You know what I mean? Like, but they wouldn't. They'd be like, oh, you know, I just work at this church and blah, blah, blah. And then I'd find out, and I was like, that dude is not, that's false humility. Like, he's just trying to act like he's humble, but he ain't humble. Because I couldn't believe that they could be humble because I wasn't humble. You guys see the connection there? And then now, like, because God has humbled me, and, and I don't, please, hear my heart. When I share with you guys this stuff, it's not because I need some humble. Good job. It's not that. I'm just telling you it's possible. It's possible. And, and if I'm not vulnerable, how are you guys going to learn that, that it's possible to go from a place of not being humble to be humble about it? And now people are like, oh, where do you go to church? I'm like, oh, this place called Faith and Victory on A Street. You should come. And people are like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, it's next to Foot Java, and there's you know, this girly coffee stand. You know where that is. <laughs> and people say, and then they come to church, and like, you're the pastor? And I'm like, yeah, man, why didn't you tell me that? I'm like, oh, I just want you to come to church. I want you to come see me. Yeah. Right? That's my heart. It truly is my heart. Yeah. Yeah. Question is, are you going to be that honest with yourself? Are you going to uncover the pride in your own heart? Be honest about who you are and who you're not. See, maybe, and, and, and maybe the difference between you and I is that I just know all the stuff about me that I don't like, man. Like, I can be really demanding. I can be very, sometimes I can be quick to anger. Sometimes I demand things of the staff or even the volunteers at this church that they think I've lost my mind. I mean, there's things I care about that nobody else cares about. Sometimes I feel bad about myself with how I look or how I feel or things that have happened to me in my life. And then it manifests itself externally and I take it out on other people. And then I have to come back and I have to humble myself and I have to ask for those kind of forgiveness. And maybe, maybe you just don't have that level of honesty in yourself, you know, where you can just be real and just be like, dude, I am inconsistent. Like I can't get things done and I lie to people to cover for my inadequacies. Like, and, but you just don't refuse to be honest about it. You know, my, my wife says this about me. She, I said, honey, am I a problem? She goes, no, honey, you're just particular. <laughs> she says, she says, you're a particular man. What do you mean by that? She goes, oh, you know exactly what I mean by that. And I can admit it, man, I am. I'm just a little bit, just kind of, you know? And so when I'm talking to people and they kind of get that look on their face like you're doing it again. Okay, I'm sorry. I'll apologize and do whatever. That's, that's just being humble. And so you've got to take some, like, honest, people love honesty about wherever you're at and whatever you're going through. Are you honest about what you've done in your life? What do you, what do you think you deserve? Both from God and others. Yes. I've been serving God for 40 years. Put some respect on it. Really? Like, you went to the corner store and you got bad service? Like, you probably deserved it. Yeah. You're not that special. We're all equally worthless. Yes. People go to some restaurant, I deserve better service than this. You know, someone's literally cooking you food that you could have done yourself. Yes. <laughs> And you're upset. Well, I'm not going to put up with this. It's always funny. Like, I love to read people's online reviews uh, because you can tell what kind of person they are by the kind of reviews that they leave. Right? Like, you can go to Google right now and look, and some dude that used to attend this church that I told him he was a fornicator left the church. So he writes, Pastor Matt is trash. So is his wife, Crystal. Trash. 
Sure we are. Yeah, we're trash, dude. Because we called you out on your sin and said you can't become a member if you're sleeping with somebody who's not your spouse. But I'm trash. I can't believe that I went to this store. I've been here buying auto parts for 30 years. And one day they didn't give me fast enough service. I deserve better than this. From the auto parts store in Auburn, Washington. (laughs) Dude, if you got treated for how you truly are... Like you should just, anytime you get good search, like, man, I'm so glad they didn't treat me as I deserved. Man, that was a blessing today. How do you view yourself in light of your salvation? Do you, do you apologize? Do you real like when I came to Jesus, I came on the, on the Romans road. I realized that I was a sinner that needed a savior and any blessings that I give, get above and above. I just still praise God for it, man. You know, I was talking to somebody this week who he was telling me like, dude, I just, uh, he had started a new business and he said, I was just driving to my car and I was just like, tears filled my eyes. Just so thankful that God had allowed me to have this business. Not like, man, I deserve this. No, you don't. Do you demand things from God? Do you demand things from other people? Do you think something's beyond you or that you shouldn't have to do something? I don't have to serve in the children's ministry. I did that for many years. I'm not going to be on no cleaning team. Well, yeah, you don't clean your own house. Why would you clean God's house? Where's Where's your humility, man? The fear of the Lord is is the instruction of wisdom. And before honor is humility. And so if you refuse to humble yourself, do not believe for a second that somehow God's going to honor you. Yeah. Don't. Like, and, and, and again, the, the, me laying myself on the coals before you is not, I'm still just a pile of dung. That's the best, I'm on the, my best day. I'm r- filthy rags on my best day. But I, if you can learn anything about this component of my life that I vulnerably shared with you today is that if God can break you in an area, he can give you a blessing in an area. But he's not going to give you that blessing without the breaking. It's just not going to happen. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. It's God who promotes. It's God who sets free. It's God who heals and delivers. Under what obligation is God required to do what you say? None. And any theology that teaches you that is a theology of demons. No. For whoever exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The Bible says he will beautify the humble with salvation. Now, That was the introduction. Let's get into the sermon. Have I made it abundantly clear how worthless you are? Okay, perfect. You know, it's funny. People always say, and and it goes back to me not knowing where people think, man, he doesn't even know what he does. Dude, listen, man, I know exactly what kind of preacher I am. And this is the kind of preacher that I am. I want to flay you down to nothing so that you realize the only thing you need is Jesus. I don't, I don't want to create a, it's so funny. You go to a church that, uh, that, uh, you know, teaches uh, differently and it's filled with a bunch of like infighting, clicky, like mean people. You come to a church where they get beat up from the pulpit and they're like rubbing their backside. Man, come on, we love you. Just <laughs> pastor gets us. We don't need to get each other. We just, we get it on Sundays and we love each other all week. It's like kids, man. If you don't discipline your kids, disciplined kids are always like, hello, how are you? I love you. (laughs) Kids that never get disciplined, I'm not eating these chicken nuggets. Pow! Eat them nuggets. You guys only have black coffee? He said that's all we get. Only black coffee, nothing else. 
But here's what I really believe, and, and, and I don't preach this every week because I never want to preach what you get. I want to preach who you have to be. But the truth is, man, there is so many blessings and rewards from serving God, man. And, and if you preach that all the time, what people do is it create prideful people get this idea of like, oh man, more for me. Great. I'm sign me up. I want all them blessings. I want all those rewards. I want all those above and beyonds. But, but you've got to walk through the spiritual and the humble and the persistence. You've got to walk through the salvation and walk through the brokenness. And then you're just kind of sitting around like, man, it's pretty good around here. I'm blessed. Man, my relationships are blessed and my pocketbook is blessed and my, my health is doing well. And it just seems like everything around me is crumbling. But I am just like like the, the TV antenna from the 70s, you know, TV show. Like I'm just I got to hold it right right there. I'm not changing nothing. I'm at the I'm at the throne of his grace. I'm holding on with everything. I don't want the picture to change, man. I'm staying right here. Shh. We're trying to watch this show. If you... <laughs> And that's how faith is, man. You turn around and you're like, gosh, man, things are pretty good. God is taking care of me. I'm getting those rewards that the Bible promises. By humility and fear of the Lord are riches and honor in life. Now, let me say this, man. The riches of this woman were not tangible like invest. It wasn't NFTs and Bitcoin. You know what I mean? Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. It was the blessing that she needed her daughter to be delivered. And she probably, I would guess, wanted her daughter delivered more than she wanted a mansion and more than she wanted money and more than she wanted the best horse and buggy in town. That was riches to her, the deliverance of her daughter. And so when Jesus promises these things, she's given something that is far more valuable. She got her daughter back. Her daughter back in a healed condition, and that's what she wanted because of this woman's spirituality and her persistence and her humbleness. She's given this magnificent healing for her daughter, and then Jesus, the Savior of the universe, they called her a dog, goes from you dog to, man, great is your faith. This great is her faith, guys, and it's going to be done to you just as you want it because I want to see people that have that kind of faith. And that's the truth, man. Faithful people always eventually get blessed. They just do. And, and if you're looking around with other people, don't think, if you're looking on the path of, uh, uh, of riches instead of the path of righteousness, you're missing the point. Yes. Don't go on the path of riches. Don't go on the path of needing things. Just go on the path of righteousness. Just say, you know what? I'm going to put my head down. I'm going to serve God. I'm going to be persistent. I'm going to be humble. And I just promise you, maybe it's going to be next week, next year, five years, 10 years. You're going to turn around like, man, I am living a blessed life. God is taking care of me. And then you've got to have that expectation of, of rewards. Why? Because the Bible talks about rewards. We can't discount it. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven six, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Doesn't say what rewards, but it says rewards. And that sounds pretty good to me. I'd like, I'd like the rewards. I'd like to be in that line. The Bible says in James chapter 1, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. That sounds pretty good. Colossians, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. 
uh, Matthew, for the Son of Man will come in the glory of the Father of his angels, and he will reward each according to his works. First Peter, when the chief shepherd appears, he will, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Revelation 22. And behold, I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Philippians chapter 3. I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Friend, I want to leave you with this. I want you to know that your service to God is not in vain. That through persistence and humility and a spiritual life, God will give you that which you desire, and sometimes he doesn't. But if you will have those components, you will have great faith. You'll have that faith that moves mountains. you have that faith above and above, beyond that faith more abundantly. The, the peace that passes all understanding. You're going to be the head. You're not going to be the tail. You'll be blessed when you go in. You'll be blessed when you come out. Other nations shall call you blessed. If you would just submit and follow to Jesus... And have that great faith. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you close your eyes? Would you bow your heads? If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus today, I want to encourage you to do so. It's quite easy if you're a Christian or you're not. If you've given your life to Jesus or you haven't. If you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never said, "I I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to be forgiven of my sins. It's quite easy. You just have to surrender. You say, I'm done living for myself. I'm I'm done not walking with you. And, And Jesus will come in in a spiritual way, forgive you of all of your sins, and make you brand new. If you've never made that decision before and you want to do it for the first time, I want you to raise your hand right now and say, that's me. I want to give my life to Jesus. Who needs to do that for the first time today? Maybe you've prayed that prayer before, but you say, you know what, Pastor? I have, I don't know what happened, but I have lost my way. I said that prayer a couple years ago, or back when I was a kid, or young adult, or college. Man, I don't know how to come back. You know, the Bible says that he loved you when you were his enemy. So how much more so now does he love you that he calls you son and daughter? Come back, prodigal. Come back from where you were. If you want to rededicate your life to Jesus today, I want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I want to rededicate my life. So anybody that needs to make that decision today. Thank you. Now for the rest of us, we always want to apply the sermon straight into our hearts. If you've been not thinking about things spiritually, apologize to Jesus. Say, I'm going to think about things spiritually now, Lord. Thank you. If you haven't been persistent, say, Lord, I'm not giving up. I'm going to be before you. I'm going to be persistent. If you haven't been humble, God will answer that prayer. Say, Lord, break me. Make me humble. That prayer will get answered before you get home today. But let's all pray that God gives us great faith. Not for us, man, for him, for his glory, for him to be great. Father, we thank you for that great faith this morning, God. God, I pray, power the name of Jesus, you keep us in the spirit, that we walk in the spirit, not in the flesh. And we pray for that spirit of Christ to dwell inside of us richly, that we could be persistent in our prayers and our walk, that we would not grow weary. And Lord, keep us humble, make us humble. God, and even myself, Lord, if there's areas in my life that still need to be humbled, God, humble me, because I want to honor you. I want it to be about you. Give us great faith. We love you in Jesus' name.
Thank you, Pastor Man. Let's all stand up. We'd like to thank you so much for joining us today online. We want to encourage you to like our Facebook page, follow us on social media. If you're a regular watcher of Faith and Victory Online, would you please send us a message because we want to get to know you. We want to be connected with you. Make sure you like and share this video, and we'll see you next week at Faith and Victory Church. We love you. Have a great day.